now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cooldown Time. Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Marco. I'm your graphically outdated host. And joining me, as always, is none other than the technical mess of the show himself, Pablo. Pablo, we're here. End of year coverage starts this week. This is pretty exciting. We get to look back on the year that was and uh, talk about all the highs and lows. And we're starting that off this week by giving Xbox a big uh, letter grade for their year. Uh, in our main event of the show. But before we get to all the end of year stuff, I want to kind of kick off our show with a little bit of uh, another icebreaker question here, but kind of uh, looking back some hindsight about your year in gaming, Pablo, I want to know what is your biggest gaming regret? What is something that you just wish you didn't do or a game you didn't buy or something that just you wish you didn't have to do? Well, what, what happened, man? I mean, it's been a it's been a banger year. So I think I've played everything I've wanted to play. I've bought the things that I really wanted to buy. So my regret isn't really a game that I bought or didn't buy. My biggest regret is that I stayed subscribed to PlayStation Plus fucking Pro <laughs> Essential Elite for about ninety percent of the year. Uh, I was, it, it, I mean, it was just like something that was literally just coming out of my bank account that I had. No fucking desire to even want. Nothing on there was any good. It wasn't worth it at all. It was just a great big waste of money in a year that I feel like I've saved money when it comes to buying games. For those who've listened to the show for the past couple of year, uh, year and a half, knows that that when it comes to video games, uh, I I buy all of them. <laughs> Is it a video game? Yes, please. Like that that's kind of what was my motto, but you know, FOMO things McGee, change. bro. FOMO yeah. McGee. Yeah, it, it really was just, it is FOMO-based, honestly. Any conversations that are even slightly interesting, I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's why it's so dangerous for me to listen to the top 10 games of the year podcasts with other people, because I'm like, oh, wait a minute, mm-hmm. that, that's a game that, I, but no, I, it, it's definitely PlayStation Plus Essential Double X, uh, whatever the fuck they call it, oh. uh, that I was on there for such a long time. What a waste. Uh, that's kind of my, my regret for the year, for sure. That's not a bad choice. I think you might not be the only one that's kind of looking back on that and going, ugh, I wish you didn't do that. Because I was subscribed to it as well for a little while, but I, I ended up canceling it because it just wasn't getting any any use out of it for me at all. So mm-hmm. I'm with you there. Um, I would say mine, and this is going to be a little controversial because I, it, it's it's about a game that most people really like that I, I just didn't really enjoy all that much. I bought the deluxe edition version of Diablo 4 so that oh, I can right. play it early. Oof, I got the one. I got the season 1 content which was all bad. The first season of this game was terrible. It was so bad I didn't even come I, I didn't even try it. I avoided it at all costs. So I literally just wasted money playing a game early that I didn't really click with and with uh the the battle pass or whatever it was that i i just didn't even get any use out of it all so uh, and of course now diablo 4 is kind of course correcting a little bit with their newest content and people are enjoying it a lot more now but they have uh, a expansion coming out at the end of next year yeah yeah so i threw a hundred dollars uh, i think it was a hundred dollars or maybe 90 bucks or something like that it was like 90 dollars yeah down the drain yeah so i kind of wish i didn't i didn't i think i overcommitted. i should have waited i should have hung back 
I should have saw how it played out because it's Activision. Activision, you know, it, it, yeah. it can get a little weird, and yeah, it happened again to me. And, but and Diablo three launched with the uh, with that damn auction house issue. Yeah. So like, there's there seems to always be some kind of problem with launches of, of Diablo games. I will say. I know a lot of co- with end of year content coming up for us and a lot of other shows, and, and I, I do think that conversations are going to skew heavily positive on this year. But I, I, w- I would say stay tuned to us because in this this is one of the years that I would say on paper looks like one of the best years of all time. But there are so many disappointments, you know. That is true. so many regrets that like obviously I was always going to buy Final Fantasy sixteen, sure, mm-hmm. but. I do kind of regret the so much time that I put into that, knowing full well that I was not enjoying my time, and I was like, "I'm gonna finish this." I'm gonna. Why? Why would I put? Why would? Why, why would I hate playing that game? But uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be interesting conversations here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely, it's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Uh, we really go all out every year, uh, in keeping with our end of year tradition. We usually do roughly about two months worth of of, of year end coverage. Uh, we, like I said. At the top of this we we're grading xbox's year we're going to do the same exact thing for nintendo and playstation we reveal our our, our favorite sleeper hits of the year uh, we do game of the year deliberations we have our special awards show for other awards we give out like best visuals best story that kind of thing so we really try to go all out so uh if you like what you hear this episode give us a shot and uh subscribe to us so you don't miss out on that content but uh we do have quite a bit to talk about this week uh, for sure. So why don't we go ahead and get started with loadouts? All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, Pablo. So uh, last week you talked a lot about Alan Wake two, um, and I've had some time to invest into the game uh, now that it's a few patches in. I have some thoughts, uh, but I want to kick it over to you first uh, because where we kind of left off last week was, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty high in the game. Uh, you were enjoying it quite a bit. Um, you had even said at one point this was kind of maybe in contention for Bremeny's best game. Um, since then, you put some more time into it, uh, and I'm sure you have m- many more impressions to share. So give us an update. Tell us how you're feeling. Yeah, so right now, uh, I am in the uh, end game for Saga. I hit the point of no return. What games do, like, hey, you sure you want to go beyond this point? I'm there with Saga. Not so much with Alan Wake's story. Uh, so... With my time into the game, I think overall, I, I'm still not ready to to kind of completely talk, like completely give my stamp of approval or or any kind of of letter grade or any kind of grade that we do. I, I'm not there yet, but I I do want to say the more I've played this game, the more conflicted I am. Every play session, uh, every play session. F- feels distinctly different for me in terms of how much I love it, how kind of middling it might feel sometimes. But overall, I do have to say that Alan Wake 2 is is a curious uh, choice for a sequel because it does a lot of the heavy lifting for trying to kind of marry the Alan Wake and the control story. It does a lot of that narratively. Uh, and so I think it kind of holds the game back a little bit towards the beginning. But once it hits its stride, uh, I think it's very interesting and unique uh, uh, storytelling that they use here. Um, I, I, I think ultimately for me, I still feel pretty high on the game. I think that a lot of the very interesting things that they do here, uh, what that they did with Alan Wake 2 is the fact that 
controls an action adventure type of game with that with that narrative and this is a full on especially with saga stuff a full on survival horror uh game and you know, sure, I think it's more fun to play Control, but I think that the, the, they really go all out with the survival horror aspects uh, uh, of Alan Wake 2. And I think I, res- I respect the fact that they can make a different game in a different genre yet feel overwhelmingly and, and, and positively remedy, you know, and I, and I think that that goes that goes a long way for me. Um, I think there are a lot of things that we'll, we'll talk about. I know that you'll get into in terms of a lot of inconsistencies with some of the performance stuff. I, I'm gonna I'm not gonna talk about that here because Marco, I, I'm sure you will, and I'll jump in there. But I just kind of want to kind of give it its flowers here in that I think it is an interesting game. I don't think it's for everybody. There's a lot of things that you have to kind of come into already knowing to really fully appreciate the game. But it, it it really does have these 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 incredible story moments that really that really put together the entire extended Remedy universe into in a way that I really wasn't expecting. I know that these games all take place in the same quote-unquote world, but how much connect uh, connectivity there is, how, how much they how they do that, and how seamless it feels at times, I think that they, that they kill it. Um, now, is this the best Remedy game? I'm going to have to finish it to kind of give that final thought process on that because I, 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 I was for sure on that, then, not so much now, just because of certain things that happened throughout the game, throughout the story. Some of the uh, some of the writing in terms of dialogue is can be incredibly painful to the ear. Uh, but uh, overall, though, Alan Wake Two, I think, is, is a definitely contender for for top ten game of the year, no doubt about that. Uh, and I think that they took a lot of big swings. I think they connect a lot. They do miss a few times here and there. The thing is that when you look at Remedy and their quality of, of games, when they miss, the misses seem a little bit more head scratching because it's like, man. This, this feels a little off for them, you know, in terms of uh, story and, and, and kind of the quality of that. But other than that, man, there's certain things that, that happen in this game that I'm still kind of thinking about. I, I can't wait to talk about the those certain things in our end of year, especially the awards like uh, moments, just because there's some like amazing moments that seem if i explain them to you like what the fuck that doesn't make any sense or yeah that, that plus you want to be fun. spoiler free too so yeah yeah but even then if i if i said a thing about this game you'd be like well i don't know how that would really work and believe me some of these moments are just like jaw-droppingly awesome uh just play sessions where i'm like smiling ear to ear for hours just because of everything that's happening so it's a it's a lot of that going on with alloway too so i'm definitely uh i'm definitely uh still into it, it has it hooks in me uh but i'm very interested to see what to see what you have to say about the game because i know that you didn't really play much uh last week but you've you put some time into it so marco what's up man tell me about your alan wake 2 experience yeah so i was waiting on uh a couple of patches to kind of work out some of the kinks um and and i'll touch on kind of how i feel about the technical state of the game uh, in a little bit um i came into this with a lot of excitement though you know i love remedy um I, i enjoyed the first alan wake i recently played the remaster all the way through um, I loved Control, so naturally I had really high hopes for this game. Um, right now, I'm about, I want to say about 9 or 10 hours in. Um, to be honest, I haven't been loving it so far. Um, it's been predominantly a pretty sluggish, um, incohesive, and buggy experience that's really, to me, it's kind of lost in its own sense of self-regard. Um and I think, you know, to, to best explain that, we got to start with the story. Um, 
And again, spoiler free. Um, Alan Wake 2, it tries to tell a very intricate and intriguing tale. But I think the execution comes across sometimes as being a little dull to uh, self-sanctimonious. I think it spends a lot of time trying to sow seeds of mystery by way of these very disjointed and disconnected story beats that you hope will come together in the end. And maybe they will. Um, But I think that the problem I have with that is the game kind of feels obsessed with reminding us how weird and mind-bendy it is. And at times it can be to its own detriment. Um, in terms of characters, I, with the exception of Alan himself, which I like, I think uh, another issue I have is that some of the characters I'm seeing in the game are kind of lacking in charisma and depth right now. Um, I'm hoping that changes the more I play, but for right now, they all kind of feel very surface level, um, particularly Saga. Uh, who is the the co-lead of the game. Um, But I will say, in terms of story, I do really, really like the tie-ins to Control. I think those are done amazingly well, um, and I really love the world building. Um, Bright Falls feels like a real place. You know, Cauldron Lake feels like a real place. Remedy does an incredible job of making these places feel real, uh, believable, but still in, in that weird twisted way that they tend to do things, and I think it's, I think it's executed perfectly there. Um, now, gameplay-wise, um, this might be where I have the, the most issues with the game, to be honest. Um, I, I think that right now, the game feels like it's suffering from very sluggish pacing. Um, there's very short bursts of action right now that seem to be scattered way too few and far between for my tastes. And there feels like there's just a lot of walking and skulking around with little, if anything, of, of consequence going on. Um, and part of that is obviously because in, in some ways this is almost like a detective story. So there's a little bit of that investigative component to it. And I get that. But to that point, I do think that those detective elements, particularly Saga's mental like case board that she has and even Alan's yeah, the mind place and Alan's storyboard. I, I like it because it houses like the things that you find in terms of collectibles, like the music and the TV commercials and stuff like that. But I don't like it for the the case board stuff. I think it's just an extra layer of, of sort of busy work that doesn't really add to anything. Plus it's, it's really finicky to like figure out where to put the picture in the right spot. It can get a little annoying at times. Um, it's not a deal breaker because I I like the idea. I like the concept very much. And I think it is necessary with how complex the story can get, but it does feel a little like what you're doing a little too much here is kind of my takeaway there. Um, yeah, it gets to a point where it almost feels unnecessary, and by that, you can, at times, not even hit the case board, and it'll automatically solve that. Yeah. Uh, and then, but it, what, what I kind of thought was kind of like, I didn't, I don't love, is you do that to then do the the the, 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 the files, the, the, the each files, and that way you can actually discern certain things from that. I don't like that, because it, it just, it, it makes a slow game even slower. Right. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a, it's like a very start, stop, start, stop kind of feeling after a while. Um, now getting into the, the shooting and the movement and in the moment to moment gameplay. Um, I think the movement and shooting mechanics feel quite mushy and unintuitive by Remedy standards. I think anybody else could say, Oh, we did, we did a great job. I think Remedy is usually a little bit better at being a little bit more like precise and, uh, tighter, uh, this feels a little bit more loosey-goosey than I, I expected. Um, I really am not enjoying Taken encounters. Taken is the the enemies in the game. 
Uh, that can be like the shadow people, the wolves. There's also boss fights. Um, I just think that they can be kind of um, either annoying or downright bad at times. I'm, I'm really exhausted from aiming a flashlight at shadow people in Alan's chapters, and then they just kind of fade away, or some of them stay and they actually fight you. It's it's kind of a crapshoot in a way, and I just don't enjoy it. It gets a little repetitive, and there's actually weird difficulty spikes too. The game can get like weirdly hard at times, um, which I, I I wasn't expecting, and it kind of uh, took me out of the experience a little bit because I wasn't ready for that. Um, I also think that the game is also saddled with cheap jump scares that come off so many. very juvenile to me, very amateurish in terms of the Silent uh, the Silent Hills, <laughs> the survival <laughs> horror space. That's what I meant to say. Um, you know, I just it, it gets it doesn't they don't scare me per se. It's just like okay, calm down. <laughs> you know, um, the the save and checkpoint system is making the game arbitrarily hard in a way that I don't really think adds any value to the game. Um, I've died and I've had to start way further back than I thought I would. Uh, so th- that can get a little irritating because save points are, are not exactly in abundance in this game. Uh, you, you do have to kind of hunt them out uh, in, in certain areas you're in. Uh, and they don't make themselves obvious. So um, you can easily lose a decent chunk of progress if you're not really uh, combing through every area to find save points. Um, and of course, in terms of the bugs, there are a decent amount of progression blocking bugs that I've encountered that have prevented dialogue from triggering, actions from triggering, uh, that has really kind of brought down the experience as well. Um, that leads me to presentation. Um, I, I really love the eerie and unsettling atmosphere of the game, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and, and the game looks fairly good, um, but fairly good is kind of the key there. Um, I think the image quality really suffers on console from a terrible shimmering effect uh, via FSR upscaling. Uh, it just makes wooden surfaces and metallic surfaces look like they're made of stars. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's really, really hard to ignore it. Uh, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And as of right now, there's no uh, fix in place to make that better. Uh, so if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, this game's going to be uh, kind of an eyesore in some ways. Um, quality mode. Uh, I've been playing mostly quality mode just so that I get better fidelity. Um, it looks really good. It feels pretty smooth, but it does introduce noticeable input lag as kind of a buyer beware. Uh, performance mode is very smooth and stable on Xbox, which is where I'm playing it. Uh, but it does downgrade textures pretty noticeably. Uh, so again, FYI, if you're concerned about which what you would, which you'd play if you get the game, um, Getting into sound real quick, I think voice acting is largely poor. Uh, very unnatural delivery by Alan Wake. Uh, accents from he's, the uh, that guy's a bad that guy. I'm sorry, and ahead, I know people ahead, like ahead. him. He's bad. That guy. That guy. He is, and they give him so much to do in this game. He look. They they saddled with him in 2010 when that game came out. Yeah. They 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 kept him on. I don't think he's very good at all. At all, he just I mean, reads the dialogue. Is how it yeah. feels. It's like the things that you would expect the actor to stop and pause on, or or where they should emphasize. He just reads right through it. I knew the I knew the dark presence was following me. I have to go run away. I have to do it, and it's just like this, yeah. this straight line of dialogue. And it's like, give me some, give me some like variety. Give me some variation, some tonal pitches, some inflections. It's just straight shot, same tone <laughs> all the way. When so. you look at like a like a like a 
like a voice actor that you know like um what's his name david Hayter for uh solid snake like he's not necessarily a great voice uh actor right but that voice is so iconic and it goes so well with what how the story is laid out but alan wake is narrating a lot of this game yes and it just sounds poor it always sounded poor even in the first game and i can get past that but the problem is, is that you got Saga, who is slipping out of her accent. Oh my every, god, dude! Her every, British every, accent every is other... coming out every yeah. other word. I'm Saga yeah. Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, excuse it's me, like, excuse me. And then I forget his name, but Alex. Alex Casey. Alex Casey. Casey. Oh, I can. It, he's just doing Max Payne, except the, the the version of that where he decided not to put any effort into the it. The voice it, doesn't match the face at all, and yeah, it just feels like a Sam phoned Lake. in version. It's, it's Sam Lake. Oh. I do like the house how much fun Sam Lake had in this game though, because he he was all he was he was in it all he's in it a lot. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it's. I agree. I agree. The the voice acting is 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 not great and i know a lot of people have have kind of conflated the it's on purpose type of thing it's a pulpy kind of sure but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to sound like someone doesn't know what they're doing you know right. in front of a microphone right which is exactly what's going on here yeah at least I, how I, feel. I, I get that it's trying to be weird but don't be weird at your own expense if that makes sense like don't don't cheapen don't cheapen yourself to be weird you know yeah um, have you have you met uh, Agent Estevez yet? I have no idea who that is. No. Okay, so when you meet her, it, it kind of even makes it worse because she's so good, I, I, I feel. And she stands out as, okay, it's Janine Gavarka. I, I'm sorry if I'm butchering her name. She's an actress. She's been on many shows. She's actually done a lot of voices in, in video games as well. But she's so good, in my opinion, that it just makes it just makes everybody else that stand out even more because of how good she is. I also like the guy um, who plays Tim Breaker. Uh, he's yeah, from yeah. Quantum Break. Yeah, yeah. And he does uh, a pretty decent job in his little cameos. Uh, Ashmore. I don't Ashmore. Yeah, I, I can't remember his, his, his real yeah. life name, but he does okay too. But um, in terms of sound, though, I will say in like environmental sound is quite good. Like the spatial audio that they use is really nice. The environments feel realistic. The rain sounds good. The effects sound good. The guns sound good. Um, but again, presentation is riddled with crippling audio visual bugs, like audio oh. cutouts lip syncing issues, visual glitches every couple of minutes. Like it's the game is not done. <laughs> it's is is essentially what I can say here. Um and it's it's disappointing because there is a lot of really good elements to this game, but it needed another one or two months to to, to get all this worked out before it came out. By far. But what's what's worse is the fact that I played and I had those issues early on and never again until these updates started coming out and I'm starting and I've experienced them Same. quite often. There, there was a whole scene where Saga's on the phone, she's talking to somebody, and somebody's talking. And I hear them very, very, very low, but I do see their 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 um their text. So it's kind of like, oh man, like, and it's like very important dialogue. This is endgame stuff that they're delivering exposition that is very important. I read it all, and I'm like, okay, I got, I get what's going on. But man, it's like, what a time to to kind of shit the bed a little bit. And yeah. I will say, I am a little disappointed. And I know you're going to bring it up. How Remedy's been responding to this, um, kind of treating it like it's not really a big issue. 
but it is. Uh, there was a, an exchange on Twitter with someone when when he when one of the I think it was the cre- not the creator but the game director or someone that's involved with the game said this game just came out on Friday. Like give, give, like okay cool, but also you released it on Friday a, unfinished. Yeah, that's not an excuse. Yeah. And yeah. you know I, I I do think that they are working a, v- hard to, to put out a lot of uh, updates. I'm just I'm not sure that they understand the the, the severity of of what's happening because it's it, it is immersion it's breaking. It is bad. It's immersion breaking. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't had any like like stopping issues where I couldn't like get past something. Oh, but I have. Yeah, the audio. St- this game is salt. This game is all audio. You want to be able like, to hear the, your game. Yeah. But but even so much so like the, the, the ambiance, the conversations, so many cutscenes, so many uh, you know soliloquies being delivered. And the live characters. action stuff too that they add on top of that. Like yeah. it's audio all over the place, and like I mean, it's nuked the, my sound on my entire console. Like it, it it nuked my entire sound on my Xbox. I had to restart my console just to get like dashboard sounds to happen again. Like oh yeah yeah, that's how bad it's been getting. So yeah, they 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 have their work cut out for them over the next few weeks to hopefully. Uh, improve things but i can understand why they don't feel so pressed because they're getting showered in praise they got great reviews it's you know it's it's beloved people are calling it one of the best games of the year by far so yeah maybe they're kind of not seeing the urgency because people are like gushing about the game right now but i mean particularly on the xbox side i can't speak for anybody else i've heard the playstation version has performance issues with frame rate but um thankfully we don't have that problem on the xbox side but it, it just feels like, you know, it was like PC got the best of everything and we kind of got stuck with like the table scraps a little bit. And that's just unfortunate. Yeah, but um, a little bit. And I think uh, the conversations about the game being one of the best games of the year, I think it's because it's so different from everything else that came out this year. You know, there's a lot of stuff that that, that came out just really good, uh, obviously. But I think that this game, it is unique. It is it, it does stand on its own. It's not like anything else. Uh, and so I think a lot of people are kind of looking at that and, and really appreciating it for that, as I do myself. But, I mean, when it's bogged down by, by certain aspects, sp- specifically performance and, 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 and audio issues, it, it becomes, a, it becomes a, a problem. A problem that really isn't about the game itself, but it's about like the, 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 the craftsmanship behind it, the quality of the game that they decided to put forth. Uh, and this game was already delayed a yeah. month. So... You know, I it's it's disappointing, um, but I, I think I am definitely higher on the game than you are at, at right now. Well, I might change um, my tone as more as I play more, but you know, that's that's kind of where I'm at uh, now. And, I, and, I, and that was my I think that I think you will because I, I a lot of the complaints that you have, I still have them, it, 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 but they've become smaller in in terms of like the 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 way the game feels, uh, like the 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 pacing because there there there, there were some game sessions that. I was like putting 15, 20 minutes in and I was out because it was just so sluggish. And then I, I put a couple of uh, one, I think yesterday or the day before, it was like five or six hours because it was just so, it was so, I was going back and forth between Saga and Alan because I wanted to keep that, those two things aligned. But I got into this groove with Saga that I got all the way to the end of her story. So it's, mm. it's it, there's definitely moments that you're going to be like, okay, now this game is going hard and I can't wait for you to get there. But that still doesn't excuse 30, 35% of the game up right. front, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I know we got to move on, but let me, so just to close, you know, how I feel about this game uh, as, as someone who is a bit of a survival horror connoisseur, um, the key to making a great survival horror game is 
establish the rules of engagement with the player and then set them on their way. But in the case of Alan Wake 2, this is a game that writes the rules of engagement and then tugs at your sleeve to let you know that it's rewriting the rules of engagement. Um, and in that sense, Alan Wake 2 is a good game that's woefully out of focus. It's it's trying to be Alan Wake. It's trying to be Silent Hill. It's trying to be Resident Evil, Control, The Last of Us, Twin Peaks, The Twilight Zone, a brooding detective story. <laughs> you know, either and it's either wanting to do that all at once or interchangeably. And that sort of culminates in an experience that um, struggles to find its footing and find its rhythm. I feel like I'm helplessly out of sync with this game sometimes um, because I don't get the sense that um, I have a full grasp of what's going on or what it's trying 100%. to do for me. Um, and I don't necessarily get the sense that the second half of the game is going to maybe stabilize any further. It sounds like it's going to go even wilder and throw a lot of, you know, really crazy things at, at me. And that's fine. If that makes the game exciting, I just wish the game was a little bit more coherent. So yeah. what I will say to that point real quick, Marco, is yeah. that the game towards the middle part and end focuses on one aspect of the story and then kind of, it, it resolves some, some other things. Okay. So it, it does become more focused. Uh, so, but I, I'm curious to, 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 you know, how you end up feeling about the game when it's all said and done. I am a little scared about the future of this specific uh, universe because will Control 2 be the same thing where, the, okay, now we got to pull an Alan Wake 2 stuff into this and kind of unfocus, the, unfocus Control. The thing that, that made Control so amazing was it was, at the time... Sure, it had some things that were connected, but singular and felt self-contained as well. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and it was it was an amazing story. A lot of things were yeah. a lot of the the world was built in control, and now being used in that way too. I just hope that when they do continue the story with control, that it doesn't suffer the same kind of issues that Alan Wake Two is suffering yeah. in terms of trying to encompass everything kind of like the marvel problem the mcu problem where all those movies have to tie into other movies in order for that that through line to continue i hope that that's not the case going forward yeah i don't want them to bog themselves down with that mm -hmm. or, or just make a, a clunkier story because they're having to weave in so many different elements but yeah i i, I totally agree with you on that uh but that's kind of where i'm at for now uh, i'll i'll update uh the listeners how we're how we're doing uh next week as we roll credits hopefully um, and we'll just kind of, you know, fill the listeners in on where we're at then. But we do have to move on to the second game we've been playing for a little bit uh, called Jusant. Um, oh, fancy. Yeah. Uh -huh. It is a, uh, I don't know what they call this. It's like, is it like a relaxing climbing simulator or, or what, what do they, what do they describe this game as, Pablo? Yeah, I don't know. I think something like that. I think that it, yeah. I think it's definitely one of those games that are trying to evoke. It's like a journey-like kind of game. You know what I mean? Literally, what I'm about to say is trying to evoke the journey-esque, you yeah. know, of it all because it is a very relaxing game. Uh, basically, what the game is itself is just a post-apocalyptic kind of world where the tides have recited back in deep in, into the ocean, and so you're you're left with this like this 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 world world where basically you're trying to do something uh, you know they're not really clear as to what exactly it is but you're 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 climbing these huge uh these huge uh, mountain 
outside and, and these man-made like uh put together kind of towers and 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 i think mechanically the game is very interesting because you know when you play all these other games like uh horizon and all these a lot of climbing in it the climbing is is there but it's very easy to get you know it's very easy to do it's it's just press a or x or whatever onto the thing and climb up with with a jessant it makes the climbing a a part of the gameplay in a way that at first was it's very it put me off quite a bit because it, it is a little confusing but after about you know 15 20 minutes 30 minutes i was i understood everything they were trying to, to tell me and and i really enjoyed the climbing as it's, it's what you do the most and i really do like what they're doing with it the, the only issue that i have with the game itself is just i'm not really a huge fan uh, i'm one of the r- rare people that was not a huge fan of of journey uh and so i i like the re- i i i'm not really a guy that plays games to relax in that way like to kind of be in a zen moment i definitely have those moment games that that do put me in that but when a game is trying to be that i sometimes for me it just kind of never clicks and that's kind of where i'm at with just it's getting great reviews people tend to love it but for me it's just not a game that i'm really into so it's not pro- probably a game and unfortunately i won't continue to play but it's it, it's it's well made for sure yeah people like it um and that's great uh, i'm glad to see that that it's at least you know don't nod does a pretty good job uh with their games and so yeah i'm glad they have a you know another good one to put in their portfolio but i agree with you um not for me you know uh like you i'm not a big journey fan i don't like those kinds of games um they feel a little pretentious to me at times especially when there's no spoken dialogue and they do that whole like just just it's the art and it's the symbolism kind of thing that rarely works with me um so i already came into this with a little bit of reservations um and it checks those boxes it has the beautiful art style it has the you know the uh, contextual storytelling in there uh it's got all that uh, all the recipe you know pretty much accounted for to make a journey like game um, but the climbing mechanic, it, to me, as as being the the, the hook of the game, um, didn't do a lot. You know, and honestly, it wasn't very fun uh, to climb up. It didn't feel relaxing. It kind of felt like I was <laughs> I was over sweaty. It was yeah. It was like I was overthinking about where am I going to put my left hand. You know what I mean? It was like <laughs> it's like a very intense game of fucking twister that i was playing yeah, uh and uh so I, di- I didn't get the 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 mellow vibes from this at all yeah um what i started doing towards the end when i was kind of realizing i was mentally checking out was i just started like they use they use the the l2 and r2 uh the, the triggers on xbox yeah. so that i was playing it on too uh to climb you know with each hand and i just started like l2 r2 L2, yeah, R2 yeah. in that pattern, and I was just climbing everything easy. So I almost broke the game. <laughs> so um, I guess in that sense, it I, I'm sure it could probably get more complicated the more you play it, and there's more yeah. treachery or treacherous things you, you, you can deal with up there as you get higher up. But I just think it wasn't a very compelling um, angle for me uh, in terms of my taste. But I get why people enjoy it, though. It's just not for me. Yeah, yeah. The, the My kind of relaxing games are... are, are Games that are not intentional in that, like for example, a game I'll talk about next week that I'm, I'm getting I'm getting really into right now is Dave the Diver, uh, and that game for me is definitely checking that box where I'm just kind of in there doing certain things, and there's definitely a really cool story happening in the background, but the moment to moment gameplay it really is for me relaxing me. It's kind of a, a nice little palate cleanser which I'll talk about next week. Okay, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because that's been a game that uh, has been reviewed very well. Um, 
this year. I think it's at an 89 or a 90 right now in Open Critics. It's like so, 90 last subject, yeah. yeah. Yeah, curious to get your thoughts about that once you put more time into it. But uh, that's going to do it this week for Loadout. So let me go ahead and move on to our news segment of the show that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, homie, we got three news items this week. Why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the first one, please? Yeah, probably the biggest news of last week, and that's massive layoffs have happened at Bungie. Roughly about 100 employees have lost their job after Bungie uh, was projected to miss their revenue by uh, an incredibly high 45%. Uh, To make matters worse, some employees were laid off because they were due to receive lucrative stock shares for staying on uh, as Bungie employees. Uh, and because they were laid off, uh, they will no longer be getting uh, that. So uh, in terms of that, uh, it is believed that PlayStation layoffs are part of the wider PlayStation money saving initiative. Uh, but with Jim Ryan pretty much gone, Connie Booth gone, layoffs at Media Molecule, layoffs at Naughty Dog, and now layoffs at, at Bungie. What the hell's going on over at PlayStation right now, Marco? Uh man, it's uh it's 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 an interesting story, man, because um you know, some people have have kind of thrown out the term Rome is burning uh when when they talk about PlayStation right now. Um I think it's somewhat apt in a sense because it feels like Sony is becoming Sony's worst enemy right now. Um it's it's not really Xbox that's the biggest threat. It's not Nintendo, it's themselves. Um I don't know what what their deal is, you know, uh, what's going on with their finances and and what their projections are looking like, but um, something's got Sony scared. Something has Sony very, very scared. Um, And I don't think that this is all just mere coincidence. Now, I I don't want to sit here and pretend like only PlayStation Studios have been suffering layoffs. That's not true. Other companies have as well. We know that this has kind of been uh, regrettably a widespread issue in the industry this year. Um, but the fact that so much is going on with Sony's organizational structure, um, not having a whole last CEO is kind of a big deal. Getting rid of one of your biggest, um, you know, first party uh, liaisons and Connie Booth, and now, now some of your biggest studios, including Naughty Dog and Bungie, who you just bought for a couple billion dollars, are all kind of reeling right now. So. I think the blame kind of goes both ways. I think Bungie has to take some of the blame here because to me, I think it was completely unrealistic to put such high expectations on Destiny 2 to carry them this far. Destiny 2 has been out for a long ass time. uh, And I get that they've supplemented the game with a lot of expansions and a lot of updates and a lot of microtransactions, but that money printer was bound to break at some point or another. Like you can't sustain that kind of success for, for super long. People are going to get bored. Uh, people are going to move on to other games. Um, or in the case of destiny two, you know, they started shooting themselves in the foot as of late with, with bad content and uh, some pretty anti-consumer actions um, that really kind of pissed off the fan base. So um, for them to put so much of their fate in the hands of just one game, is uh was already a huge mistake as it is um and to have revenue targets that high uh it to me that's kind of crazy too i also think the blame goes to sony um i think that their their greed their ineptitude and the state of disarray that they're in with um their their within their own company structure right now is is almost certainly at fault uh when you buy bungie 
you turn them into this uh, internal games as service uh, tastemaker. Um, you you kind of pit them against other internal studios, and meanwhile, Bungie's drowning in 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 missing the revenue targets. Like a lot of this is a bad look on Sony for just not reading the room and knowing how to handle the situation the right way. So, um, as far as what the hell is going on at PlayStation right now, I I think there's a fire. Uh, I think they need to address it uh, because. Again, you know, having great sales and having Spider-Man come out this year to such critical and commercial success is great, but in a way, it's fool's gold, right? Because when you have these kinds of things going on uh, behind the scenes, that is going to eventually bleed into uh, what we do or don't get in the years to come for from PlayStation. So it's getting a little scary to me, man. As a PlayStation uh, guy, uh, you know, I'm an Xbox guy too, but I mean, the PlayStation fan in me is also really, really scared about like what the future holds for them. And um, if it stays like this, I, I don't know where the buck stops and that's kind of concerning. Yeah. So what about you? I, I think PlayStation is reeling right now. They're trying to future proof themselves and find and, and be a market leader, not only in console sh- uh, shares, but the future of gaming. And they're putting certain bets on certain things. And unfortunately, they did that with the games as service, as we all know. But I think that the game as service bubble has popped. Uh, I think that their three, was it $3 billion, $4 billion purchase of of Bungie uh, to, to further them along that, that uh, path has backfired on them. Uh, Bungie unfortunately, obviously a 45% miss on their revenue targets is ridiculous. You know, uh, and so I think that they're, they're in a position where they've put the, the, the money, they bet on the wrong horse. Uh, so much so that you see today they've purchased something called iSize, which is this cloud-based thing in the UK so they seem to be fully pivoting to, to streaming cloud streaming now so you can see that they are definitely looking for that next big thing uh, and so with that being said I think obviously you're right I think this is huge on on Bungie and the fact that you know this is the this is where they've stayed right this is the lane that they stayed in and now that's passed them by and now they're kind of stuck with this and Marathon which is supposed to be their next big game which is by all intents and purposes at least what we th- we're thinking based on what they've done and based on how they've talked about the game another game that service and so, it got delayed like to 20, and it got yeah, to 2025. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of that happening right now, and so I just think that 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 the 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 thing that you said about Rome is burning is very apt. I think that they're trying to maintain their uh, their dominance, uh, but they they we've had the conversation like a couple of uh, weeks ago about them being Fitbit, right? A thing that's always going to exist, a thing that was really like huge when it first came out. But people have done it better. And so I feel like they're trying to find the next big thing. And so, you know, they're just... They're just not betting right. They're 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 not doing they're not doing their due diligence, or someone is lying to them. Some somebody about market trends is 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 giving them some some information that maybe they shouldn't be taking so such to heart. But right now, it looks like they're 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 reeling uh, pretty pretty aggressively, and then not and, and you know and then when you when you buy a company based solely on one thing that you want to do, and that company is like, hey, by the way, we're not doing so good, then that's gonna put you in a position where you're like, okay. So we're fucked, right? And so I feel like that's happening right now. And so uh, I hope that PlayStation figures figures it out. I, I hope my my biggest concern is I I just don't want them to to kind of put themselves in a position where they have to hit something big 
and by doing that, everything else falls by the wayside. All including, or nothing. Including, yeah. yeah, The Last of Us 3. Games that we really love. The things that everybody talks about when we talk about PlayStation. They're great first-party ex- exclusive titles, which are great. They are one. They're, they're, they're amazing. Best in the business, you know, with Nintendo being right there. But, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to see. It's tough to watch because, uh, you know, the last couple of months we've been very hard on PlayStation and we might come across as Xbox fanboys. But it's simple. Xbox is doing good. We like good. PlayStation is doing bad. We don't like bad. It's that simple. It really is. <laughs> it's true. If, if if things were to change, which they often do, I mean, earlier this year, we were all about PlayStation and kind of taking Xbox to task. Like, this has to be some, you know, they have to address certain things. And so, you know, we'll get into that a little later about what Xbox has done. But, you know, that's where we're at right now. And it, and it's, and it is concerning. I think we've gotten to a point where it's no longer fanboys uh, uh, putting uh, something out into the ether that isn't real. This is, it's happening. It's happening. PlayStation is reeling and it's not looking good, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And again, don't be fooled by just the fact that the consoles are selling through the roof or that Spider-Man was a hit. Spider-Man was the only game that came out this year of any consequence of their first party. And um, ultimately, you know, you can only get by with one good first party game for for but for so long right like yeah um and that's why i said fool's gold earlier uh you know people the rebuttal is always yeah but it's selling yeah but what about the next two three years if it's if it's as dry as some people are thinking it's going to be in Fuck terms that. of How first about the parties. next 10 years you know i mean it already sounds like they're going to have to go the route of securing more third party uh exclusive titles kind of along the lines of final fantasy 7 rebirth um they might they might have to do more of that to kind of keep the ball rolling a little bit for themselves over the next, you know, two years or so as maybe some of their internal teams restructure after the layoffs and pivot potentially away from some of their games as service projects to go back to more traditional um, projects instead. So, you know, again, it's, it's great that they're doing great right now, but if you're thinking ahead for the next two, three, four years, uh, a lot of what's happening right now internally is going to have a lingering effect in the years to come. That's just inevitable. That's how business works. That's how companies work. These things impact the other. It's all cause and effect and it will show through at some point. Um, Hopefully not as yeah. strong as it's looking because it's it's starting to get a little worrisome. But to be clear, though, these things, because they often do, can turn on a dime. Yes, they you know, can. We can be talking yeah. about PlayStation and being in dire straits right now. And by February next year, they could be on the up and up and everything's OK again. Like it's it's it, it, these things do 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 turn that quickly. So we'll see if they, if they manage to manage to, to kind of rein it in, uh, get a new CEO in there. And, and really focus on, on the things that really matter. Uh, uh, but we'll see, man. Keeping tabs on that for sure. But uh, let's go ahead and move on, Pablo, to the second uh, Hit Points news item we have this week. Uh, and we're going to talk Xbox for a little bit here, or at least one of Xbox's most noteworthy franchises, Gears of War. Because in an interview with Cliff Blazinski, a.k.a. Cliffy B., the creator of Gears of War, uh, he says he wants to return to Gears of War, but as a consultant. Uh, he also believes that Gears of War could really benefit from a God of War-like reboot. Uh, So the question is, Pablo, as two fans of Gears of War, do we think he's right? Or do we think that the coalition is on the right track with Gears of War as is? Well, it's his baby. And so I think his opinion has a little more weight in terms of what he thinks the franchise should go. But 
if we look at how what the franchise was under Cliff Blazinski and we look at what the franchise is now, I would argue that it already had its God of War-like reboot, you know, with the new trilogy. I, I think that it's gotten a little more serious. It's not so much about like, shit, yeah, and, and things look at like all that. that juice. Yeah, yeah it, it, <laughs> there's still a lot of that in there, but I think that the game has definitely focused and there's a, a serious tone to it, you know, with the Kate Diaz story. I think that all that has has really uh, turned on for Gears of War in a good way. I, I don't think it needs that God of War reboot, and I don't think that Gears of War needs uh, Cliff Zizki as a consultant. I, I I think that we appreciate him for his creation of Gears of War, which I love. Uh, but I think that it's in the right hands. I think the coalition is doing a great job. And, and to be fair to Cliff uh, Cliff Zizki, he did say he he doesn't think that coalition is doing a bad job. He just said in order for him to be a consultant, he would want the God of War franchise, sorry, the the Gears of War franchise, to evolve even further if he's to put any kind of ideas behind it. So I get that in a little out of context in terms of like a coalition is doing a terrible job reboot. That's not what he said. But ultimately for me, with my experience with, with gears of war four and gears five, I think it's on the right path. Uh, at, after that, maybe once they wrap that up, can it get like a reboot? Sure, why not? You know, keep that franchise going. It's fantastic. But as it is, as it stands today, I think it's on the right track. I think it's doing a great job, uh, and it's 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 become, you know, I think probably Xbox's most prized possession now that uh, that Halo has kind of gone the way of it's gone into some murky waters here. I think Gears of War still stands tall, and I think uh, Gears Six is going to be fantastic if, if they're able to pull that off. Yeah, um, here's kind of where I'm at. I, I think when you look at reboots, the, the, the objectives of a reboot is usually one of two things. It's either to correct mistakes from the previous games and start fresh, or it's to reinvigorate a dormant IP, right? I don't think Gears, as currently constructed, suffers from either of those issues. It's not dormant, and there's not Facts. a litany of, of mistakes to correct either. Um, so I think in that sense, I don't really agree that it could use a reboot. And, and uh, I would I would implore him and people like him who have, are of the same mindset to think like, you know, don't just reboot things for the sake of rebooting them, you know, because that's the thing to do that these days. Um, there's no reason to retell a tale that's already been told pretty well, right? So I, I don't think Gears has that problem. And in terms of Cliff Blazinski's desire to be more involved. Here's to me, here's the sobering truth. I think Cliffy took gears as far as he could take it. And I think at this yes. point he accomplished everything that I think he had the means to accomplish at, at, at the time. And I'm sure he has new ideas now that it may or may not be cool, but I think as far as what he could do as the lead, I think he did what he could do. And now I think the coalition has shown that they have a great grasp of gears as a franchise um they know the characters they know the world they know the lore and they tap into those things really nicely uh it's not like a 343 industry situation right where it's like oh god i miss bungie where where have they been you know like it's they know what they're doing so it's been a seamless transition exactly so again it just circles back to what is the problem that a reboot would solve for right now um it just doesn't solve anything though uh, the multiplayer needs a reboot. I would agree. Yeah, that's gotten a little bit tired. I think as time yeah. has gone on, um, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, and I, as far as the God of War thing, um, I get why <laughs> I get why so many people put 
God of War on a pedestal as a good example of how to do a reboot. I have sure. my issues with the game. Um, I know you've got a couple yourself. Um, I, I get it, but you know, don't turn God of War's reboot into the shiny object to chase after. Again, just for the sake of it. Um, even David Jaffe, who is the creator of God of War, um, he's been critical of of the new games, and you know he believes that they should have zigged instead of zagged. And you know it's the same as Cliffy B. You know when, when you're when you're the creator of one of the greatest franchises of all time, right? You're gonna have opinions, right? But yeah, it's not like you know you can't be delusional about it and, and think that after all the years that you spent away from these franchises, that you still know what's best for it. You you might not. So, you know, yeah. it's it's better to just sit back, enjoy the legacy that you helped create. Um, share your thoughts by all means. No one's telling Cliffy he can't share his opinions on the state of Gears of War. But, um, you know, as far as trying to impose yourself as a consultant and throw those feelers out there, especially publicly, which I think is a little tacky, um, I think that's a little that's a little tone deaf and a little bizarre to me. So I don't like that yeah, part of it. I think I think it was more or less like a question he was asked, but I, I agree with you in that. And God of War needed the reboot because it was dormant. dormant you know, yeah. after God of War I forgot the the, the, the the fourth game that wasn't really it wasn't part of it. It was like a pre uh, prequel. Uh, it's not it wasn't I don't judgment. Remember. It was I don't uh, remember. yeah. But anyway, uh after that game, which was pretty bad, you know this 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 franchise needed that that reboot. And to Marco's point, Gears of War doesn't need that at all. No, no. So uh, I, I am looking forward to Gears Six whenever we see that. But uh, I, I would be I would actually be disappointed if it was a reboot. If they say, oh, you know what, there's not going to be a Gears Six. Where, where we ended off at five is where it's going to stop, and we're just going to go right back to the beginning and start you off with Marcus Phoenix coming out of jail all over again. No, 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 no. Oh, they, that would be such want, a disappointment, if, man. If you want to remake those games, you know, in Unreal Five, go for yeah. it. Yeah, give us but, give us that Gears of War collection. I'll take that. Yeah, but yeah, don't do come that. on, man. Don't do that, guys. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of don't do that, should Remedy don't do something themselves? Because uh, Remedy has announced that the remakes of Max Payne 1 and 2 are now in the production readiness stage, while also announcing to us that Control 2 will remain in proof of concept stage for the time being. Um, but do we think this is the right move, or should Remedy continue riding the wave of this Alan Wake and Control shared universe thing and prioritize Control 2 uh, sooner rather than later? Pablo, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a tough one because I, I really want to see Control 2, but man, I really want I, I want to see what they have in store for Max Payne and, 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 and 1 and 2 because they said that they figured out the scope and kind of where they want to take it. So already they're telling me they're remaking Max Payne and 1 and 2, but they're not making it like the, it was before. Like they definitely have a vision for it and it feels like that's what that franchise also needs. I think Max Payne 3 was fantastic. Uh, it almost feels like a reboot of the franchise as well. And if they kind of take that uh, from Max Payne 3 and implement it to Max 1 and Max Payne 1 and 2, it'll be a great experience. So I'm kind of I'm kind of putting it between a, a, a rock and a hard place because I love Max Payne. I love Control. But I do think ultimately this is probably the right move. Kind of get Max Payne 1 and 2 out there, remake those games, and then come back to Control and 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 kind of continue that story there. Uh, it's just, you know, 
they do tend to take their time. So I, I, I don't want to see Control 2 in 2026, 2027, which it's probably what's going to happen. But hopefully they find a way to, to, to simultaneously work on both. Because I know that Rockstar was going to help them with the Max Payne 1 and 2 remake. So I wonder if after Grand Theft Auto 6 that they go into full production with them. So, But yeah, I, I think this is the right move for now in terms of what they did. You know, with Alan Wake 2 out now, maybe it's good for a little palate cleanser with Max Payne and 1 and, one and 2. Um. Yeah, I've been. I, I was wrestling with this one pretty bad because I, I can see both sides of the argument. Um, ultimately, I landed in an opposite spot as you. I think that Control Two makes way more sense to me, and here's the reason why. It's not because I don't want Max Payne One and Two. I'm a huge Max Payne fan. Um, I guess where I get thrown off when I think about this whole thing with Max Payne with them is. What is the long-term plan between Remedy and Rockstar with the Max Payne license? If they're just doing this as a pit stop of, hey, we're going to remake Max Payne 1 and 2, and then then what? Is Max Payne going to go back in the grave again for another decade or another 15 years before we see something again? Is this it for Max Payne? Like, what is the game plan? Is this the start of maybe... You know, Remedy making more Max Payne games in collaboration with Rockstar in the future. Will we get a Max Payne 4, a 5 out of this? Like, what's what's the long-term vision? Because if this is just a one-off thing, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly buy it. But I'm, I'm not going to really get it either, if yeah. that makes sense. I think when you think about the, the shared universe component of Control and Alan Wake, and you factor in, as you said, the amount of time it takes for them to complete their games for five years or so. Um, I think in a way you kind of need to prioritize control too, so that this story that you're building between these two games doesn't get stale as time goes on. So True. I would rather them keep the momentum going uh, with, with, Control, Alan Wake, Control, Alan Wake as kind of like their, their cadence. And of course, maybe something new they want to do in between that. Maybe that's, you know, that, that'd be fine. Um, but again, I just think that the Max Payne project feels exciting, but it just feels a bit like, you know, kind of random in a way. I would like to see that gameplay. It's like, hey, after one and two, we go into four because three is canonical or, you know, because uh, I would like to see that if that's what they have in mind. But you're right, man. I I, I think you've convinced me, uh, which would have been hard to do because I, I, I love both these franchises. Yeah, yeah. But, it's yeah, hard. I yeah. think you're probably right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, for now, we have Alan Wake 2 to hold us over. But hopefully they'll, uh, I mean, hey, they can't go wrong either way. Max Payne or Control 2, yes and yes, basically for me. <laughs> yes. Um. But that is going to do it for Hit Points, man. Uh, before we move on to the main event of the show, listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been listening to our show so far and you like what you're hearing, we'd really appreciate it if you can consider subscribing to our podcast right now. Uh, again, we know everybody wants you to subscribe to things and follow them and all the, all that stuff. But, uh, you know, we pride ourselves on being a very unbiased, tell it like it is sort of podcast uh, that does not hide behind uh you know console warrior stuff or fanboyism whatsoever uh so even if you don't agree with all of our opinions you know that we're at least uh being real with our opinions and there's no weird agendas behind it which unfortunately is kind of becoming harder and harder to find in the landscape we're in right now not to toot our horn but just saying it's getting a little spooky out here um so hmm. 
uh, please, if you're interested in following us, uh, especially through our year-end coverage that we're going to be doing for the next few weeks, uh, you can find us right where you're at now. We're also on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google or anywhere that you typically stream podcasts. And maybe if you're there, if you got a couple extra seconds on hand, leaving us a five-star review will go a huge way for us that pushes us up the, the algorithm that gets us in search results that helps more people find us um and that just helps us become a bigger and better show uh just for you so if that sounds good to you you know what to do if not no big deal glad you're here anyway but let's go ahead and move on to the main event of the show pablo we call that the checkpoint chat let's get started it's time for the checkpoint chat all right, Pablo, as we get closer to the finish line in 2023, it's time for us to look back at the year that was for the big three. Uh, so we are going to be spending the next few weeks dedicating our checkpoint chats to reviewing the Xbox, the Nintendo Switch, and of course, PlayStation as well. Uh, this time around, we're going to be kicking off these reviews with Xbox and talking through the highs, talking through the lows, and then giving a letter grade uh, based on how we think all of this lands in terms of how good or not so good they did this year. So, Pablo, we have uh, quite a hefty list of, of those highs and lows that we're going to be walking through item by item. Uh, and I think the best place to start when talking about the highs of Xbox this, uh, Xbox this year, not just a Bach, uh, <laughs> uh, is when... You'll have Sebastian Xbox. All right, stop. Uh, let's, let's talk about just Xbox's vision and leadership, because I think that kind of serves as the, you know, the umbrella for everything that we're going to be talking about subsequently here uh, for Xbox. Um, talk a little bit about it, man. Just kind of riff. What are you thinking about the vision and leadership of Xbox this year? Yeah, I mean, it's rare that any corporation sets out some goals and visions for their future and then, you know, they execute on them. And I think that that's exactly what they did in 2023, at the very least, started going down that path. And I think that's all based on the leadership behind that behind Xbox, starting with Phil Spencer and you have Sarah Bond. These people have really have taken uh, their their uh their roles and have really put themselves into it. You know, like I, it's, it's very rare that you see, that you see some, some people like this that are so, they're so open, you know, and, and, and not only open with, with what they want to do, but also with their failures. And I think leadership, the, 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 the thing about leadership, I think it's all about also, uh, it's also about, looking at the things that you're not doing good and, and, and addressing those accordingly, you know? And I think that they do that. And I think they sometimes do it to a detriment, but overall it's helped them kind of look at the vision that they're trying to, to, to kind of put forth and executing on that vision with game pass with, with their first party games that they have coming, all this great stuff that they really have there and all starts from the top. And it, everybody there seems to genuinely want Xbox to do well, obviously for financial reasons, but culturally it just feels like they want to make the best video game console and i think that that's massive i think that that's huge when you look at when you look at companies like nintendo and playstation they feel, they feel a little bit sterile a little bit corporate-y you know but xbox definitely feels like with with, with what they're trying to do uh is is a little bit more down to earth and more connected to, to to the community and i love that for them and i think that they're doing a great job yeah i agree um you know look uh I've said it before on the show in previous weeks. I'll say it again. Um, it is not Xbox's goal to be a better third place. 
their goal is to be a force in the video game space and to look for those white spaces that uh, they can get into with like cloud and mobile and and really start um, exercising that vision that they have to make Xbox a household name and make Xbox as available as possible in all sorts of ways, shapes and forms besides just buying a plastic box. Um, And I think that that vision has and will continue to pay off for them in dividends as time goes on. Um, In terms of, you know, the way that last year went for them, it's no, it's no secret that 2022 was a bad year for Xbox. They, they got punched in the mouth. Um, And what, what I appreciate about them though, is that they didn't spend this year going, ow, my mouth still hurts. Instead, (laughs) they, they healed up. They figured out how to, bob and weave a little bit better, make some better moves, and and throw some counter punches this year with the way that they've been a lot more competitive and a lot more active uh, compared to last year where they were kind of awkwardly quiet and sort of in the corner of the room uh, in a manner of speaking and not really like, man, here's this trillion dollar company and they're dead silent. What's going on? Now I feel like Xbox has kind of found their voice again. They feel a little bit more confident. They're a little bit more forthcoming. Um about good and bad things. Uh, and I agree that makes them a very approachable and human company, uh, which is strange to say that cause it's Microsoft we're talking about, but I think they do a great job of, of really trying to connect and be as human as possible. Um, whether it's, you know, a facade to, you know, get people to, you know, Phil Spencer is, is the good guy. We all know he's a savage yeah. animal behind the scenes, but you got to applaud the strategy of like, okay, let's, let's put these people in front of people and let's make this company feel like we're not just all sitting in the corporate office buildings doing the Jim Ryan thing. Right. Um, and I, I really applaud Hell them yeah. for that. So um, that kind of bleeds into the next thing we're going to talk about here, Pablo, which is obviously, you know, in many people's eyes, the biggest win, but in some ways, maybe the, one of the more controversial wins perhaps depending on how you look at it is uh the acquisition of abk that being activision blizzard king uh being official after what felt like forever Uh, i think like 20 months of uh this thing being in a limbo and on life support one minute then it was back and then it's done pablo now that the dust is settling and the deal is over for all intents and purposes how do you feel this plays into the xbox year yeah, I mean, it's a huge win. Uh, whether or not we're going to talk about the ethics of a company owning everything, you know, that that I would leave that to smarter people than me. Because I just, at this point, uh, looking at it from just uh, a fan of Xbox, fan of video games, seeing them take over uh, a company like Activision, which has been troubled for a very, very long time. Blizzard has been troubled for a very, very long time. And seeing what they've done with, with 2023 with their games and, 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 and obviously having something like this now in their repertoire, like they have a lot of IP now that they can actually, you know, pull from a proven IP, whether or not you're a fan of Call of Duty. Call of Duty is massive. It's huge. And so this is definitely helps them out. But I think that the biggest thing here is when we look at what what Xbox sees as, as successful isn't really the selling of their consoles, but just kind of, of putting having a foothold in everything gaming. And I think that with the with the specific acquisition of King, it significantly enhances Microsoft's kind of foothold in mobile gaming market, which is right now 
it's growing more than ever before. And so, you know, when it comes to what a win is for Microsoft is just being in everything that's video game related and, and, and giving people the opportunity to play these games any way you want. And I think that with this deal, with the games they have, and then obviously with the IP that they've gotten, and then like I mentioned with the King purchase as well, all that stuff just kind of enhances what they're trying to do overall. And I think when you look at them from a company standpoint, this is huge for them. This is massive for them. They spent a shitload of money on this, but they, they've now have put themselves in a position where they can compete with other, with other, uh, companies. You gotta, you gotta remember Nintendo PlayStation have been doing this longer than Xbox and Xbox has always been behind on on just about everything. And so with this, this purchase alone, one purchase puts them almost on par with everybody else. And I think that you're going to see those dividends come out to, to play here in the next couple of years, the next decade or so, when they have now the ability to kind of infiltrate all markets of video game. And so this is a huge win, whether or not you like it or not in terms of Microsoft and Xbox, this is a, a huge W for them. Yeah, I agree. And I know that, you know, everyone's beaten this, this whole acquisition story to death. Um, so I don't, I don't hold it against anyone for getting a little nauseous hearing about it again, but I mean, we sure. are looking at the year that was, we have to, we have to account for it. And I, I, I think you're, you're right. Um, this deal checks a lot of very important boxes for Xbox. Um, it gives them the premier first person shooter franchise in all the world. It gives them a host of live service games a la Overwatch, or even MMOs like World of Warcraft, which they just announced is getting three expansions. Uh, so they're, they're, they're breathing new life into that stuff. Then, of course, you have the mobile gaming space as well. And then you have the possibility of, of you know, reviving old IP uh, from the Activision Blizzard catalog that Phil Spencer seems to be open to. So I think when oh, you yeah. look at it from every angle, um, without getting too far in the trenches with it, it just seems like this this accelerates a lot of what their vision is. It gives them a lot of options. Um, now, I will say, you know, with options comes the need for good management. Um, so I, I think that that's going to be the real test for them is, can you handle what you fought so hard to get uh, without kind of bungling this and making a mess out of ABK as opposed to, you know, really improving things? Um, and of course, I think the biggest win here is getting Bobby Kotick the fuck out of there. Uh, give him the golden parachute. <laughs> that in itself is, should be it. Yeah, eh? get him out of there. Um, I think that'll immediately make you know workplace culture better. And I think at a time when so many layoffs are happening across the industry, I think it's really um, hopefully going to be very good to see that uh, the teams working under ABK are going to get treated better and have better opportunities for success um, under new leadership. So that's always a plus. Um, Speaking of pluses, Pablo, why don't we start talking games and let's talk about first party. I mean, a much better year for first party games compared to last year. Talking about Starfield, we're talking about Hi-Fi Rush, Forza Motorsport, even games like Age of Empires and such. Uh, you know, just kind of populating the year uh, with some, you know, some some good to great games. Uh, so what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, this is by far their biggest win in terms of like video games, like, you know, the traditional way we, we think and look at games. Uh, look at last year. I mean, I think last year they had Dusk Falls, uh, Forza 5 expansion. They had the Age of Empires re-release. They, the, the, yeah, they had the grounded... Uh, uh, 1.0, uh, yeah. 1.0, and then Pentiment being the actually the only new game, you know, of the year. 
uh, Pentiment's cool and all, but you know, <laughs> that's not that that ain't gonna do it, guys. Nah. I mean, that's just 2022 was abysmal, and then they come out swinging. Yes, people are gonna be like, well, uh, you know, well they delayed all those games, sure, and it's 2023, and it's we're talking about 2023, and we have the Starfield, we have the the surprise hit like High Fire Rush, all these all these things that they've been promising for years, a a a, a steady pace of first party releases this is the first year that we're seeing it and for all intents and purposes and how they've been talking about it and kind of going back to the vision part of it this is something that they're going to continue doing and so being that 2023 is the first year of that i mean you couldn't start you couldn't start better with the bethesda rpg you know that that's that's amazing and then you have that in your repertoire as well there are other ips that they're, they're going to obviously uh, do more with so i mean it's it's great it, it's what we want it's what people wanted for years from xbox the whole xbox has no games uh kind of conversation has kind of gone out the window now because the xbox had a lot of games this year and not only that a lot of good games you know yeah. we're, we're not we're not talking about the medium here we're not talking about the penis game uh scorn <laughs> well that, those aren't those scorn. aren't first party games no yeah, but they, but they were first party at the time you know they were at the very they least timed games that came out exclusives yeah, yeah. but you know at, at that point we're not talking about those games we're talking about games made in-house yes games that are first party owned by xbox and being released by xbox and being amazing experiences so i mean if this is a year if this is the first year and there's more to come i mean xbox has a lot going for them right now and this is a great way to, to show that off and start that off so i can't wait for more yeah and to anyone that's that's screaming at the at, at us right now going what about redfall we we're covering that in the lows segment yeah keep in mind we said they had a better year for first party games not a perfect year right right so um but yeah i i, I think this is absolutely uh, a great um, you know year for them in terms of uh, course correction and really getting their pipeline pipelining for lack of a better term um, because <laughs> Lay that pat. okay why do you got to make everything greasy and gross and sexual <laughs> don't do that like I, I don't I don't even say sexual like that why did I do that uh, that was weird oh okay gaslighting all right so let's keep rolling You're here weird man okay all right um no, all seriousness. Um, Shadow dropping High Fire Rush was bomb as fuck, man. That was so cool, and the fact that it was actually great. Uh, I, I really thought that was a surprisingly good game. Uh, you know, Starfield has some naysayers, but I people that think this is a bad video game need to calm their asses down. Same goes for Forza. You know, you can stop with the endless comparisons with Gran Turismo Seven. Both games are very good. It just so happens that Xbox has a good racing game now. You're going to have to deal with that, you know? Age of Empires, yeah. not for everybody, very PC-centric kind of game, but it does matter. It's 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 a classic legacy franchise that got some life this year. Uh, even Minecraft. I didn't like that Minecraft spinoff game that came out this year. Uh, I think Legends was it called? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, not my cup of tea whatsoever, but hey, you know, it... it Minecraft sells like ass... Uh, like, like, you know, crazy. You know, it's so it's... Not ass, like crazy ass sales is what I meant to say. Yeah. Listen, I record a Minecraft podcast. Minecraft like ass crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're supposed to support me, man. You're supposed to be there for my corrections. When you stumble and fumble, I try to, oh, you meant that. When, man, when it's me, you leave me out here no, to try. No, fuck out of here. Y'all laughing. You're like, you said this word wrong, you stupid son yeah, of a Yeah, because bitch. you said Styles of, <laughs> you said Styles P instead of Liza P. I don't know why you're talking about rappers. You ain't got no... <laughs> You ain't no good. Um, <laughs> look, um, 
you know, moving on, I, I think we have to talk about Game Pass at this point because, uh, you know, this kind of bleeds right into that anyway. Yeah. Uh, Game Pass kept on rolling this year. Uh, you know, talking about Lies of P, talking about Dead Space, Cocoon, Like a Dragon Ishin, Like a Dragon Gaiden, Persona 5 Tactica. You know, these are just a few of the of the games that have come out. Uh, Persona that, 4 Golden. Yeah, yeah, the Persona series. That's a big deal. So where are you at with all this? Yeah, I mean, in the past, when you look at Game Pass's uh, choices for their services that were outside of their first-party games, they, they weren't really hidden. I mean, I, I, they always get the hype, but, I mean, 12 minutes was was bad. Like, they, they've made a lot of choices with their library, uh, and it hasn't panned out for them. This year has been great. Like Marco said, Lies of P, one of my favorite games of the year. I wasn't a fan of Ishing, but I mean, that game is 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 a Like a Dragon game and people love that series and that's uh, readily available for you. We got Gaiden and and, and, P, and, and Persona 5 Tactic coming out in a, in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, they, they, they've not only really hit hard with their first party games, but bolstered their game pass with not only just small games, but like these big titles. You got Dead Space remake that, that just recently came out. So, they're, they're really out here, not only only taking care of their first party kind of games but also looking at game pass and making these right choices i mean look it's historic uh, it's been historically uh, uh documented here my my uh skepticism for lies of p and that's a choice they made to have it on their game pass library and it it, it it's a, it hit hard so they're doing they're doing amazing so they're really like vetting these companies i'm assuming and really putting really good games onto their platform and and game pass just kept on rolling it, it this is a massive year for game pass as well and that's and that's awesome when you're hitting on all fronts like that yeah last year part of what sucked about last year too is not only did the first party lineup suck but the Game Pass lineup was terrible too. Like they just didn't get a lot of great lucrative deals, and I think this year they've done a much better job of keeping their foot on the gas and getting like noteworthy franchises and um, you know critically acclaimed games uh, to to the to the service and some of the deeper cuts like the cocoons of the world, even even the Juicent game we talked about at the stop of the show. You know, yeah, not not earth shattering releases by any stretch of the imagination, but good pickups. You know, good pickups that save some money for people and kind of validate the service being what it is. And I think. That they did a great job this year with that. Even even games that are like, you know, the ones that most people didn't buy that because they heard bad stuff about them, like Gotham Knights. The, well, now you get a chance to play it and see for yourself how you feel about it. Um, and then you have the EA Play component of it as well. I know Wild Hearts is coming. I know I know EA's not supporting that anymore, but you know, it's still cool to like. Oh, I never did get around to that game, but now I can try it and see how I feel about it. That kind of feeling is is one of the many benefits of Game Pass, and it's just nice to see that this year really lived up to what the premise of Game Pass really is in the first place, uh, unlike last Absolutely. year. So good stuff on Xbox's part for that. Uh, speaking of good, we also got to talk about their showcases this year, much improved over previous years between their developer direct, their Xbox showcase, their Starfield direct, um, all of which, you know, did, I think, a great job of showing their future pipeline when you think about the fables of the world and some of the new stuff they're working on, uh, the the clockwork Thing or whatever it's called, I can't remember. Yeah, Revolution yeah. or something like that. Clockwork Revolution. Yeah. So, uh, you know, where are you at with the with their showcases this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that the showcases were were they fell between like games that are coming out very soon into the developer direct uh you know having that shadow drop there uh then having the xbox showcase it and really talk about the future and then having a whole starfield direct that really kind of uh you know turned a lot of people around as to how they were feeling about starfield so they they use their showcases 
to do exactly what showcases are for. It is not only build hype for games that you have coming out that year and very recently, or games that are coming out in the future, getting people hyped up for for the next uh, crop of amazing first party games that they have coming up. And, you know, it, it seems kind of easy right like of course that's what all showcases should do but if we looked at other showcases from other people from other uh publishers that's not that's not something that they did a lot this year it's actually been a really weird year for showcases a lot of bad showcases and so the fact that xbox stood uh, on its own on, on that front and really hyped me up for games that are coming in and 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 now that w- what we have in the future i mean they they did exactly what they're supposed to do, and that's a, and that's a and that's a highlight here, man, for sure. Yeah, you think about like previous showcases where they said this is what's coming out in the next year, and then almost all that shit got delayed. Like you know, yeah, egg oh, on your face, it. right? So they go from that kind of low to uh, a huge bounce back this year, which was sorely needed. I mean, you know, we'll talk about lows in a little bit, but things were a little spooky for a while at the start of the year with Xbox, as we all know, and they needed to kind of get people excited about the brand again. And I think these showcases collectively did a great job of, of you know, reinstilling some excitement back into the community, um, you know, showing us what's coming down the pike, uh, and just getting us jazzed up for what's to come in a way that they didn't do very effectively in previous years. So uh, I'm very excited about that for sure. Uh, and then real quick, last high that we have on the list is a one that I didn't think we'd see coming, uh, frankly, but I think we got to touch on it just a little bit here because Halo Infinite is on the comeback trail, man. Uh, player numbers are getting higher and higher. Seasonal content's getting stronger and stronger, and now Halo Infinite's kind of becoming a, a bit of a of a player in 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 the yeah. in the space right now. So, uh, you know, real quick, talk about this little comeback that they're uh, sustaining right now. Yeah, I mean, look, after Halo Infinite came out, and 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 just it, it was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. You know, in terms of the support, in terms of the content, it was kind of bare bones, and it and it dropped off really quick, and people pretty much, you know. Uh, put that final nail or what they thought was a final nail on the Halo uh, franchise. But, you know, 343, give them credit. They did not uh, give up on them. Xbox did not give up on them. And they kept on plugging away. And now with Season 4 and 5 having, like, the strongest content they've ever had and people are coming back, adding great playlists, having great maps, all that good stuff. They, they've really uh, they've really taken this uh, second chance and done a lot with it. You know, Halo is a is a franchise that they need and they need for it to work for them and you know they were in quite a predicament there for such a long time the fact that they were able to bounce back like this is very impressive because if you would have gone to my head and asked me if halo infinite was gonna be any better than it was last year i, I would have said no because just just so the just how they've treated the franchise and and, and just kind of like the, the conversations out there but They've done a great job, man, and it, this is definitely a high for them. When one of their their best franchise is out here on the comeback trail, that's huge for them. Yeah, and I think it also confirms to me that um, Halo Infinite's biggest problem was uh, 343's management. I think Bonnie yeah. Ross and Joseph Staten, uh, not taking anything away from their legacies, but I just don't think they were the right people to lead the, the team through this type of project and undertaking. Um and I think once the restructuring happened internally, that must have flipped the switch for, for 343's team. And I think they were able to stabilize, kind of recalibrate, figure out what they wanted to do, get a plan of attack ready, and start 
executing and seeing the way that they've been churning out consistently good content um, is really exciting to see. Not necessarily for the sake of Halo Infinite, but more so to me for the future of Halo. Gives me a little yeah. bit more confidence that you know maybe maybe we'll get a better start when the next game comes around, which we've already heard they're they're pretty much devoting their entire team for. But it's great to see that they're getting a, a wrangle on how to make uh, a Halo Infinite, uh, let's just call it what it is, a live service model, uh, somewhat sustainable. They still have a ways to go, um, and they still have to make sure they don't trip over their own feet again. Um, but I think that this is a great step in the right direction. And anytime Halo can be healthy is a good thing for Microsoft. So had Hell to account yeah. for it here. Uh, but not everything was peachy in Xbox's year, as we all know, Pablo. And that's going to lead us to the lows of Xbox's year. And yes, we need to start where you think we're going to start. And that is, of course, with none other than the Redfall debacle, uh, which is just that, a complete debacle, Pablo. I don't know if there's any yeah. getting around that, but, but tell me your thoughts. Nope. Yeah, I mean, look, we already know kind of the back, the back, the history of it. Like, you know, this is a game that uh, Arcane actually didn't really want to make. They were trying to make a live service game to seem themselves to, to make Bethesda a little bit more uh, approachable in terms of a purchase, and you know, and a little poor management by Xbox. They they didn't really put too much of their people on it. They let kind of Arcane do their thing, and Arcane turned out uh, one of their worst games they've ever made, and probably one of the worst games of the year. You know, I you know they've they stuck with it a little bit with that 60 frames update that they did recently, but ultimately the core of this game just isn't very good. And then add to that the atrocious launch and the messaging behind it. Redfall is just a stain on what could have been an exceptional, incredible, almost perfect year. In fact, I would say if it Redfall comes out and it was as good as we thought it could have been, I think that we're here talking about Xbox having the best year they've ever had, period, you know? But the Red, Redfall is, is 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 a big, big, big stain on, on what they've done so far. Uh, and so, you know, it was really kind of rough towards the beginning of the year, too, because that's when this came out. And they've, of course, corrected a little bit with everything else, but Redfall is still Redfall. It's still there. It still exists. And it's still, uh, in my opinion, just a, just a bad game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's irredeemably bad in many respects. Um, I'm glad that they are continuing to make good on their promises, but... As I said a couple weeks back when that patch dropped, um, there's probably only one or two more patches they can do at best to make the game better, and I think that's about as far as they can go. But um, yeah, this was uh, probably the the darkest time I've probably ever seen Xbox since uh, <laughs> since the Xbox One announcement of like the DRM stuff. Like this was bad. This was really really bad, and um, you know it was making a lot of people, myself included ask myself why why do i have an xbox anymore what if i'm just going to be subjected to bad years like 2022 uh delays and then this for all the waiting i did um what is the redeeming quality of 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 xbox that should make me want to stay here and i i couldn't think of an answer at this point in the year when redfall dropped and it was as bad as it was um you know it, it was a a game that really I think turns into a blessing in disguise, depending on how you look at it, though, because yeah. I think they realize we can't we can't do that again. We cannot have that outcome ever, ever, ever again. So we need to be more hands on. We need to be better at managing these studios and checking in on the status of these projects. 
we need to make sure that we avoid a crisis like this from happening again because uh, we're already last place. Let's not make it impossible for us to uh, to bounce back. So I think it's it's made them more on point at Xbox now. It's made them a little bit more sharp and more self-aware. Um, and that leads into the next low um, that kind of came from the Redfall debacle, which is the uh, the infamous interview with Phil Spencer on the Kind of Funny X cast, uh, where, you know, I think he was supposed to be there to talk about something else. But the Redfall situation was just so palpable at the time that um, he was in a bad mood visually. He just sounded grumpy. He was uh, very honest about the failure that Redfall was and the state of Xbox. And, uh, you know, for, for someone in his position to, you know, be that vulnerable and transparent about how the bad things were going was pretty sobering. But Pablo, uh, talk a bit more, a bit more about this one. Yeah. I think also Phil Spencer just did a little too much in this interview in terms of trying to really be like, yeah, we suck, you know, kind of that self-deprecating stuff about Xbox. Like we already lost, you know, he kind of sounded defeated and it didn't really sound genuine. It just felt like he was more or less reacting to the current you know the current state of xbox and i just felt like i think that this interview i'm sure that they wanted it to be something that was going to be like instill a little bit more confidence but really what it did for me is just see a defeated ceo of of, of xbox get on screen and, and 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 just say wild shit that probably is true but he probably shouldn't have said it's the quintessential overcorrection you know like it's 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 him going on there and trying to appeal to the masses and be like, you know, even if Starfield is an 11 out of 10, we're still not going to, it's still not going to be, we're not going to suddenly be the market leaders. Like, yeah, we know that, man. You don't have to, you know, throw a game in front of you to the kind of protect you from like, whatever this game turns out to be, we're still not going to be, you know, number one. It just, it felt like he did a little too much here. One of the rare moments where I think Phil Penser probably lost the plot a little bit in terms of what he was trying to do. He, obviously, a lot of the stuff that he does and a lot of the interviews he does, we like to think that he's just out there palling around with friends, but it's very, very strategic. And I think this one was less so, in my opinion. And I think ultimately, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth in terms of the future of Xbox uh, from that moment. Yeah, I mean, on a on a human level, I felt for him. I I know what it's like to kind of just have no choice but to admit, yeah, I <laughs> am failing right now, you know, and and having yeah. to sit in that truth and have to do so out in the open uh had to be uncomfortable, so I I respect him for falling on the sword that he was supposed to fall on. Um even though pe- people can say, oh, you know, it's not necessarily his fault, it's Bethesda's fault, and it's this is that's fault, it, you know, it's still, he's still in charge of it all, and he understood the assignment, I've got to fall on this sword, I'm going to do that, you know, and I, I think that from that level, I, I, I get it, and it was commendable, but I, I agree, you know, overshare, probably, yeah, yeah, it was, you know, we know how bad it is, you don't need to tell us, we, we get it. Now, I will say, and I said this in a few episodes ago as well, I'm glad he didn't get on the show and play everything down and pretend like, yeah. oh, you know, hey, man, mere bag of shells. We, we win some, you lose some. You know, like Xbox is not delusional about their their state of affairs, and that that is a good thing because they're not they're not misleading themselves. They're not blowing smoke up their own asses. They they are aware when they are succeeding and they are aware when they're failing. And ultimately, I give them credit for knowing how to identify that. I just think that that was the wrong place to do it probably with the wrong people. Um, 
I, I think the interview itself was fine. I think they asked the they asked the right questions, but yeah, I mean, you're also on an Xbox podcast, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of cushion there for you to land on, of course. But um, you know, again, it. it it's in the past now. Um, I don't think it's anything to hold over Phil's head forever. Um, it was the lowest low that he's been a part of um, while he's been CEO. And it was time to kind of live, learn, and grow from it. And I think we're starting to see the fruits of that, that labor already, which is good. But we had to call it out. It was, bad, it was a bad time. And we had to, we had to mention it here. Um, another low. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Sony um, doing some anti-consumer things. Um, Look, uh, Xbox is not totally exempt from that either. We did see price increases for Game Pass. We saw uh, hardware uh, in- increases go up, uh, especially as of late in specific reason- regions like Brazil. Um, big stink about that. Um, so, you know, uh, they haven't been flawless in that aspect either. Pablo, uh, tell us what you think about it. Yeah, it's not It's not all about USA. The USA in terms of like what exactly is happening xbox is a global uh global market they have a global market and you know they have not been exactly been consumer friendly brazil has always suffered from high taxing when it comes to electronics uh but i mean this is bad i'm not i don't have the number in hand but it it was a very significant uh hardware uh price increase and you know, it's been confirmed at this point that a lot of, of people in Brazil who cover games have been asked by Xbox to actually uh, return the, 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 the Xbox Series S that they have provided for them. So uh, not only anti-consumer, but also kind of some shady-ass shit happening outside of the United States in terms of, of how Xbox has been treating them. So I understand that the global financial market is, 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 is really bad. You know, inflation is real out here in these streets. Everybody's feeling it, but there are ways to go about it. There are certain uh, things that you can do and it just feels scummy, honestly, that, that these specific regions are suffering so badly and certain things are being taken from them just because they've decided to, to speak on it. So it, it, this is for me, uh, one of the things where it's like, you see, you, you get reminded that they're still a corporation, uh, and they're still doing, they're doing the shits out here. They're still, they're still out here being, living up to the evil, mo- the, the, the moniker of like the evil corporation in some aspects. So it sucks to see, uh, and you know, who, who, who says that this isn't going to affect us next year or, or, or more years down the line where the price increases are finally going to reach us. Cause we're usually the, the last place where it happens, but it could happen, and I have a feeling that it, that it that it can, and that that it will actually. So, uh, it's just a it's just a bad look for Xbox all around. Yeah, I think they have to be careful here. This is really one of those danger areas where, um, you know, let Sony be the bad guys here as much as humanly possible. I, I you know, who am I to tell a trillion dollar company what to do with their with their finances and their their uh, their money? But um, if there's a way to you know, to keep this type of stuff at a minimum, do everything you can realistically to make that happen. And uh, the Brazil situation is really unfortunate. I know it's very easy for people who already have an Xbox and they're already good and, and settled in with the, with the system to go, well, doesn't affect me. Sucks to suck, you know, but... Um, <laughs> the day will eventually come where these types of things will trickle down and affect you. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully not, uh, in, in the way of, you know, gouging you for more money, but you know, that's why we have to stay on these companies to, you know, make sure we're being vocal and say, no, this is not okay. We don't uh, like this. We don't condone this. 
Um, and the same goes for how, you know, e- Xbox treats its employees, too. We also heard a rumor that, um, you know, they oh, they yeah. pulled um, free Game Pass subscriptions from the entire company, um, which I think would give them like three million a year uh, just from their own teams alone, which... I mean, at what point are you are you nickel and diming your own team at this at this stage of the game? You're a trillion dollar company. Yeah, like, and you're relax. Three million dollars. You know, so Come on. apparently Phil Spencer didn't know about it. I don't know whether I fully believe that or not. Um, so the the like the details of that is that people who work directly for Xbox still have their free you know Game Pass subscription, but the micro, Microsoft also had it if you worked at Microsoft. And as a whole, that company is yeah, they've taken that that uh that privilege away from. Them. I heard it's like a discount now, but you know uh, yeah, yeah, that's. So, yeah. real quick, guys, just to kind of give uh, give you guys kind of a, an idea of what we're talking about with the Brazil stuff, it used to cost five hundred and ten U.S. dollars to buy an Xbox in Brazil. Uh, now it is seven hundred and ten dollars overnight for Brazilians to buy an Xbox. Which goodness is, gracious! Imagine imagine that if that imagine happened in America. Th- oh my god! Yeah, riots in the streets. Oh yeah. my god, man, that's yeah. I I feel for that you know, for that country dealing with that. I mean, you know, I don't know how big of a deal Xbox is out there for, for, you know, those gamers, but it, that's certainly not making things any better. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. that's really unfortunate. Um, and the last low that we have on our list here, Pablo is, um, is the third party releases uh, that we've seen on Xbox as of late having, you know, a, a pretty consistent string of technical issues, uh, which may or may not be attributed to the Xbox Series S. Um, you know, I know yeah. we've been kind of vocal thinking that it does have a lot to do with the Series S, but even then, you know, we, we have seen instances where uh, games are just kind of less than uh, on Xbox compared to PlayStation and PC, uh, which has made me theorize in the past that maybe this is just kind of like not the, the lead skew uh, for a lot of multi-platform games, but I want to give it to you. Tell me what you're thinking about this issue that that's going on here. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it, it's not one or two games. It's quite a bit of them. And a matter of fact, I would think Alan Wake Two is the first game that I've seen that there's technical issues on PlayStation on an Xbox, which is shocking. Yeah. That's how bad it's been. Where it's like, oh, I'm shocked that it's actually PlayStation. And as a person who has all the consoles, but my lead console is the Xbox, where I buy all my all my third party games at. It's it's concerning. It it, it kind of. I'm hesitant now to buy a game on on the platform because it's like, man, is it going to have a technical issue? More surely, assuredly, it will. How bad will it be? You know, so it's it's become it's become kind of like an issue for me in that sense as well. And I do think that is a serious as uh, a fault because, like you said, it's probably PlayStation Five, the lead console in terms of development, because they only have to develop for one console, and now they have to then develop for a, the Series X and the Series S. I mean, we've already seen this directly being addressed with the Baldur's Gate uh, Three issue, where we still don't have Baldur's Gate Three on the Xbox platform, though it is going it is it is coming but the reason was because of series s so it's it's right there it's reading between the lines that this is what's happening it, it, at least that's my opinion obviously it's not been uh it's not been uh you know proven to be the factor or at least not something that they've said publicly but I mean, there's no other reason for it. The Xbox is plenty powerful. I know they've had some issues in the past with some kind of issues with their CPU, but I think that's all been resolved now. Uh, but I, I think that it's getting worse, too, because games are getting more demanding, and the Series S is still not a console that can compete with the X or the PS5. So it's definitely 
you know, it's definitely a problem. And, you know, most recent releases have shown that to be the case. And uh, it's worrisome because, you know, games are only going to get better. You know, games are only going to get more demanding here and out. And so if this is something that we have to contend with, it's going to be a problem. Because it's like, I bought Lords of the Fallen on the PS5, even though I'm a Xbox of uh you know first guy because i was afraid that the, these issues and they, lords of the fallen is probably still broken on the xbox it's it, it it's so disappointing and when you're a company that you're releasing you know six seven first party games but the majority of your library is obviously third party games the fact that almost every massive triple a third party game has some kind of technical issue at the very least a technical issue that is not showing up on the playstation 5 that is huge you know that's massive and it's unfortunate and i feel like it's probably the thing that's become the biggest low of their lows in terms of when you look at things overall because you know those third party games supplement the rest of the year uh, and and then between so uh it it sucks uh but i hope they figure it out i hope that they they take the steps that they did with Baldur's Gate 3 where the series s unfortunately is going to get a nerfed version of that of that game or or have a a, a system or or or, or a add-on that's not going to be a part of the series s release because they need to make this right and they need to do this asap yeah um the blame kind of goes two ways for me uh, i think some blame goes to the developers and publishers uh the third party developers and publishers and i think some blame goes obviously to uh xbox the third party blame i would give is you know, uh, yes, I think there is a lead skew thing that happens unofficially where, you know, the, look, the PlayStation 5 version of a game probably has more uh, better odds to sell more because there's a there's a bigger user base, right, than Xbox. I mean, Xbox is being outsold two to one, let's be real. So I get that that's your priority, but if if you're making an Xbox version of your game and you are projecting that's only going to give you about 20% of your, of your sales... You know, if 20% is coming from the Xbox version, that doesn't mean I want 20% of your effort. I want 100% of your effort because you're still selling a game on Xbox. So I still want you to give your best to that version of the game, even if it's not going to be your best selling skew from said game. That makes sense, right? So that's my problem there. Um, But I think that it's also an Xbox problem because of the Series S situation. I think they have a puzzle to solve there in terms of that being. Uh, hindrance to uh, future games. I think they're going to have to figure out like, are some games just not going to be compatible with Series S in the future? Um, is this is is it going to be very literally a gateway to the Xbox Series X for people? Is it like the the stepping stone console as the years go by? Because I think these developers having to develop for the lowest common denominator like that is just not ideal anymore. And I I think that the defending series S uh, that whole argument starting to dissipate. Now it doesn't make sense anymore because we're seeing too many examples come up now where it's becoming like pretty obvious. There's an issue here. I will say that one way that Xbox can mitigate some of the issues with third party games being in worse shape, is have a better certification process for when patches come out. Um, Xbox is notorious for having a very slow certification process when uh, a developer submits a patch for uh, for to go live. It takes significantly longer than it does on PlayStation. And yep. uh, even as recently as with Alan Wake 2 situation, uh, there were a couple days where the PlayStation 5 version of Alan Wake 2 was like two patches 
ahead of where Xbox was. That so that's yeah. the kind of like the the lag time that can happen. Um, so when these when these studios have a fix for a game breaking issue or notable bugs, there has to be a better way to get that patch live quicker than it is now. Uh, because the, the the wait can be grueling. I mean, especially if you've been looking forward to a game for you know X amount of years. I mean, Alan Wake Two is thirteen years in the making. You know, I want to buy it and I want it to be good now. You know what I mean? And and it's one thing when you're waiting on Remedy to do their part in making the game better, but it's another thing when they're submitting stuff and now we got to play the Xbox waiting game. Well, when when are they going to approve this patch? <laughs> You know what yeah, I mean? True. Like it's kind of yeah. it's kind of annoying in that way. So um, hopefully that's something they address and, in the future. And and just kind of to to be clear, the the a console being a lead kind of a platform for developers it isn't new. No, I mean, no. Xbox 360 was by far, I'm sure, the, the lead development with the B cell bullshit with the PlayStation 3. But at this point, with console parity and, and, and a lot of the the fact and and, and the self proclamation of being the most powerful console ever you know it's it's kind of it's a slap in the face when you claim that and your games are still running not as great as they are on ps5 so it's 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 a lot of shit happening there uh so first of all what is what is a b cell (laughs) sounds like like, sounds uh, like a resident evil like zombie virus the b cell virus so i I guess it was a way that they explained (laughs) the cell processor right yeah, yeah, so it was like A for Xbox and B, so it's like it's a lot easier to, to create something for Xbox 360, and it was like oh. they had to do a whole bunch of wraparounds <laughs> for, for the PlayStation 3. I'm like, damn, they got a new zombie out here. Raccoon Cities. Beast uh, Umbrella, umbrella out here doing their thing. Yeah. All right, man. Well, those were the highs. Those were the lows. And now it is time to give our letter grade for Xbox's year in 2023. So, Pablo, what I want you to do is... Uh, Remind the people of the grade that you gave Xbox last year. If you want to share why briefly, feel free. And then uh, tell us your grade for Xbox this year and tell us why it's so much better or worse or the same. What do you got? I mean, last year, we've touched on the uh, already uh, today that last year was abysmal for Xbox. Just atrocious in just every possible way. Uh, and even then, they had some highlights here and there. So, you know, I, I ended up giving them a D. Uh, in retrospect, it probably should have been lower. Uh, but I had him at the at a D. Uh, but this year I I have him at an A. I mean, look, Xbox and Phil Spencer they they, they had a vision. They executed on the vision. Seeing their plans come into fruition, delivering so many things. That's great. Xbox delivered Starfield finally, and regardless of the Elon cesspool, uh, <laughs> that game is great. You know, uh, they surprised everyone with Hi-Fi Rush. Forza, Forza Motorsport is another classic within the racing game genre. They hit home runs with their Game Pass offerings. Something they haven't done. And consist consistently for many years, re-engaged with the Japanese market. Uh, they executed their, their vision on expanding with the ABK finally de- deal going through. They've done so many things to kind of put themselves in a position where they're going to go ahead and even grow from that, that I just couldn't really give them anything less than an A. It's not an A+, but I think that that's where I'm at with them. That's an A for sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Um Last year for me, uh, not too far off from what you had graded them last year, I gave them a D plus. Um, it was an abysmal year. I mean, there's just no getting around that. A couple of bright spots here and there, but they they were fleeting. And the rest of the year was just a, a big long waiting game for uh, something of interest to happen. Um, so last year I did a, most of my gaming on PlayStation Five, and um, I, I wasn't really too torn up about it to be honest because they were in bad shape. Um, this time around, 2023, 
Um, I'm giving Xbox a B minus. Um, the B minus in terms of why it's not an A is I have to account for the Redfall debacle. I have to account for Phil Spencer not looking and sounding his best. Um, you know, some of the more nefarious Microsofty things that happen with price increases that we talked about and the, you know, the state of third party releases on Series X and S, um, you know, those things definitely are and continue to be hindrances in, in some form or another. Um, so I, I couldn't just let that go. But I also couldn't sit here and hold it against Xbox forever either. Because as we talked about, their leadership has improved tremendously. The ABK deal is massive. Their first party lineup is great. Their Game Pass rollouts are great. Um, better showcases. Even Halo is coming back uh, in, in a way that no one really expected. So um, it's undeniable that Xbox, I think, is on the up and up. Um and I think that it bodes extremely well for future years for Xbox. I think this is a uh, really a turning point year for them, where I think that you, you've seen the lowest of the low, and now you know, hopefully, how to not go back to that place again. Um, and I think now that a lot of things are starting to get settled with their internal structure, with their first-party studios, and with their, uh, their release cadence for first-party games, I think that uh, the sky's really the limit for them at this point. Uh, it's just going to be up to them to not shoot themselves in the foot anymore. It's going to be up to them to make sure their first party games, when they do come out, that they uh, maintain a good level of quality. Um, can't have any more red falls. Um, so yeah, they, they've got some work to do for sure, but I think it's been a, a major turnaround for them for the better. And I'm very excited to see what they do next, man. I'm, I'm, I'm back in. I'm willing to give them um, you know, my trust and my time and my attention as a gamer, which is very hard to come by. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next. But yeah, B plus, uh, I'm sorry, B minus for me. Um, and then uh, that's what we got there. So yeah, um, like we said at the top of this, we'll be doing the exact same thing for the Nintendo Switch and of course the PlayStation 5 and giving out letter grades to those two consoles as well. But that is going to do it for our checkpoint chat for now. And it's also going to do it for this week's show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We sure did. If you did, please be sure to subscribe to us so you don't miss our future end of year coverage. But until next time, that's going to do it for us. So thanks for listening. Enjoy your video games. and We'll see you next week. Take care. Peace out. Peace out.